A brother-in-law. 537. We'll start with 537 tonight. Since 538 is conveniently located beside it. I love both these songs. We'll sing these songs together. We'll sing these two songs and then um, be led in our opening prayer this evening. Sing the first and last verse of uh, both these songs. I sing out. Here we are, but straying pilgrims here. Our path is often dim, but to cheer us on our journey still. We sing the wayside hymn yonder over the rolling river where the shining mansions rise. Soon will be our homes forever. The smile of the blessed giver gladdens all our longing eye. Here our souls are often fearful of the pilgrims lurking foe. But the Lord is our defender and He tells us we may know. Yonder over the rolling river where the shining mansions rise. Soon will be home forever, and the smile of the blessed gift gladdens all our longing eye. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When He shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in Him be found, dressed in His righteousness alone. Stand before the throne On Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand <coughs> Let's all bow together most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you're permitting us to spend here in service to you. We're thankful, Father, for the help that you've given us, for you sparing our lives, for us, for you giving us this convenient place, uh, Lord, for everything that you do for us. We're mindful, Father, that we're blessed both individually and collectively as members of this congregation, but would be remiss if we didn't recognize that there are many, even of this congregation, that are hurting, that are sick, or have some other problem that maybe even we don't know about. Father, we know that there is sick among us. We know there's some that's doing rehab from surgery that uh, is expected to give them a better life. We, Father, we know that there's some undergoing tests, and we'd pray that those tests will be successful, that they will determine the methods of treatment needed, and that those also can regain a portion of their life. 
Father, we have had recent losses in our congregation, and we would ask that you would be with those families as only you know the comforts that they need and let them turn to you for those comforts. We're thankful, Father, for this great nation that we live in. We're thankful for the leaders of it. We're thankful, Father, that we always can rely on the fact that everything is in your hand, that uh, we're only allowed to be here, that the government is only allowed as uh, you would see fit. We'd ask, Father, that you would be with the leaders of our land and the land the world over, that they might uh, make decisions that would be in keeping with your will. We know, Father, that there is so many things that's happening in this day of time that are not in accordance with your will. And, Father, we know that uh, the, the knowledge is there, but we would ask that you would give these leaders wisdom that they might continue to enact laws that would give us these freedoms, that they would recognize that uh, these freedoms extend to everyone and take advantage of them. Father, we're thankful for this congregation's here, for the leaders of this congregation. We'd ask that you would be with them as they make decisions regarding the future of this congregation, which involves all of us and affects our future also. Give them the wisdom as they meet to do only such things that would be found right in your sight and according to your word. <coughs> Father, we're thankful for the one that will speak to us tonight. We'd ask that you would be with him. Be with him in his efforts to reach us. And Father, we're also very thankful for the ones that uh, recently have... Uh, rendered obedience to your word, the souls that you've added to the to the church and the ones that are of this congregation. We're thankful for the ones that are here that have uh, made known that they want the prayers of this congregation <clears throat> and would ask that each of us be mindful of them. <clears throat> Father, we'd ask that you would continue to be with us, uh, continue to give us these worldly and earthly blessings that we Enjoy, uh, be with us as we share them with our fellow man, be with us as we return them to you. Be with us in everything that we do is good, that's for good, and defeat us in those things that are amiss with you. Father, this, as all of our prayers are offered in your blessed Son's name, amen. If you want to go ahead and mark the song of encouragement tonight, it will be 745. We'll be singing 745 um, after Jim's message. After you have that, let's stand and sing 396 together. <clears throat> There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus, no, not one, no, not one, none else could heal all our soul diseases, no, not one, no, not one, Yeah. 
he will get till the day is done. There's not a friend like the holy Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Be seated, please. like it tonight because I don't have a long sermon. We, uh, 40 years ago in July, Shannon was born. 40 years ago in May, Shannon and I graduated from David Lipscomb University. Uh, in May, Shirley was, what, eight months pregnant, seven and a half months pregnant with Shannon. And I was so happy that I got a BA and she got a BS because we didn't have to go through the same line and I didn't have to take all the jeering from the boys that my wife, you know, we were both graduating and she was pregnant. So, 50 years ago, I started preaching in Smithville, Mississippi. We moved there in June and Shannon was born in July. I mean, 40 years ago. Shannon's just 40. Shannon turned, whoo, Shannon would appreciate that, wouldn't she? And so they invited me back for their homecoming today. So it's been 40 years. Uh, I had, really, I had one of the most successful years I've ever had as a minister in that small church. In one year, after my Aunt Arlene died, she had cancer. She was loved and appreciated like Belinda was. She'd been a school teacher, like other people that you know and love so much. There wasn't a single house that I could not get in that town. My Uncle Jude, when he retired, had been the local principal for 39 years. All I had to do is say I was Arlene or Jude uh, uh, Hendricks' nephew, and we baptized 20 people. I baptized 20 people that in one calendar year just by simply setting down, studying the gospel for them. The church doubled in size. It was a great time. And some of those same people we visited were there today that we had baptized. And strangely enough, man, had people gotten older, you know. And there were people our age that were going around with canes and things like that. So it was really an experience. But one of the young ladies that I had baptized her, well, two of them, because uh, Sylvia and uh, Danny's wife, I think we baptized both of them, and now they're both the elders in that church. Jeff Horton was the minister, a fine young man, grew up around Raymer, and just we just had a really great day. We preached at Christian Chapel for four years and at that time, and we had a lot of old friends come back and visit. It was a, it really was a big day for us and enjoyed it. Enjoyed it so much. It's just a reminder that whatever you do for Jesus Christ is never lost. And like any time I go to Mississippi, I meet people who just got out of the jail who know Wendell. No, I'm kidding. Anyways, Wendell, I ran into this guy. His name is Pat. You'll remember his name. He, he told us some funny nickname to call you, but I am not saying that up here. Okay, he's, he's appreciating. He led singing today, got up and led a song. They had a singing and led a prayer, and he, he said to make sure and tell you hi. And so we've done that, and Shirley's got the funny nickname, okay, written down. So if any of the rest of you want, it'll cost you $10. Um, I, I want to talk for a moment about a, really about an illustration that, that boils over into a lesson. And it, and it comes from the idea of the word serendipity. The word serendipity is a word of recent, recent origin. It's a French word, and it comes from the fairy tale of the free, three princes of serendip. And it's a fairy tale about these three prince, princes that go off in search of something. And, and what it's about, it's the gift of finding something valuable and agreeable 
that you never sought for. And as a result of that, the word serendipity was born. And so it's a regular, you know, usual, kind of a, a modern word. And so somebody says, well, boy, that was a serendipity. What do they mean? It would, it's something good that happened that you never intended for to happen or you never expected for it to happen. It's kind of like the word paradox. When you start talking about paradox, the Bible is filled with the idea of paradox. And this is one of those words that's similar, although the word does not occur anywhere in the Old or New Testament. The idea is there throughout it. And, and, and you know, it, it's kind of what do we find in Christ? Well, we find serendipity. We find unexpected pleasures. If people from the world looking at Christianity, what do they think about us? Well, you've got to be at the church building on Sundays and Wednesdays. And you've got to give your money. And you've got to spend a lot of time studying the Bible. And then you've got to try to get other people to do the same. And if you look at it from the outside, you think, what kind of blessing are you going to get from that? What kind of joy are you going to have in your life from that? So a lot of people looking from the outside, they have no idea of the serendipity we have in Christ. It's there in all the passages of Scripture. You, know, you, you talk about the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that hunger, for they shall be filled. You see, blessed are the poor in spirit, because they're, they're, they're going to have this great serendipity. Blessed are the meek. Why? Because they inherit the world. And, and, and serving the Lord, humbling yourself before him, gives you the greatest blessings that you never intended, that you would never, you would never be able to search for. In Luke chapter 18, verse 23 through 30, Jesus talks with the rich young ruler. And, you know, this is a man, you know, what, what, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he said, well, keep the commandments. He said, all I've kept these from my youth. And what lack I yet? And he said, just go and sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. And come and follow me and have riches in heaven. Well, the young man went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Jesus knew the one question to ask him, just like he knows the one question to ask us. But then the disciples turned to Jesus. Jesus and say, well, Lord, we, we've given up everything for you. And it was true. They, they left their jobs, they left their businesses, and they followed Jesus. And, you know, they weren't rich people, independent people. What are we going to have? And then he says, anybody who's left anything to serve me is going to have this serendipity of receiving a hundredfold in blessings in this life and the life to come, eternal life. Luke 6, verse 38. What does it say? Give. Well, I don't want to give. I want to get. And I'm going to get it. If it's out there, I'm going to get it. How many people have miserable lives? I'm going to get. No, give. And what will happen? It will be given unto you. Well, great. They're going to give me something. No. What does he say? It's going to be heaped up. It's going to be pressed down, mashed together. Will men give into your bosom? There's a serendipity in Christian giving, isn't it? You hear people say all the time, well, you, you can't outgive the Lord. Would you believe that? Well, it really is the case. It seems almost the more you try to do to serve God, the more you try to give for him, the more he is able to bless you in your life. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. I mean, it's, it's incredible because in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul talks about all the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. Notice Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the world was ever made. 
<clears throat> that we should be holy and blameless before him. He, he predestined us in love to be his sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of the will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely bestowed on all of us in the beloved. And then notice what he says that we have in Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. For he has made known to us in all wisdom and insight the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a, as, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on the earth. And so he goes on and tells us about the extremely, the great riches we have in Christ. And that really is the case. You know, what's one of the greatest serendipities of the wealth that we have in Christ? You know, we had coming home last week. And my, as I started thinking about coming home, I just thought, isn't that what the Bible talks about? I mean, Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to go build a place for you. Well, you know, I'm not building a place on Pickwick. I'm not finding you a timeshare somewhere. Jesus said, I'm building you a home. The home that you always wanted and were never able to have. The home that you dreamed about and were never able to have. I'm coming to take you home. And so the serendipity is that people think, well, hell, if you're a Christian, you're going to have to give up on being wealthy in this world and blessed in this world. But you don't give, you don't give up anything, really, to be a Christian because... In John 16, 15, Jesus said, All things whatsoever the Father hath are mine. Therefore I say that he taketh of mine and he will declare it unto you. You know, I remember the story. I, they told us at the Kiwanis Club one time about this old man in the hospital who was, who was praying. He was praying. He was praying. And he said, Lord, I'm here. And I, I don't money. I don't, I don't have anyone to help me. And I need, I need $200. And uh, there was a guy who was in the local Kiwanis club and he was walking down the hall and he heard this old man praying. And he was praying. He needed $200 and he, he, he couldn't work and he didn't have anybody to help him. So he went back and told his club brothers this man needed $200. And they all started taking up a collection and he got $100. Well, he was so excited. He went back and, and gave... Uh, Gave the old man the hundred dollars and he thanked him. And as he was going out, the old man started to pray and he, he was listening to him. He said, oh Lord, thank you so much that you heard my prayer. But the next time, Lord, send the money to me directly. You sent it to the Kiwanis and they done kept half of it. <laughs> you know, well, you have good intentions sometime in your life like this guy had. And it can be misused. But when it comes to Jesus Christ... Every good intention and every good work that you do is going to be rewarded. I remember when we studied the philosophy of ethics, there's teleological ethics and, and deontological ethics. And what that means is, is something good because you were trying to do good or is it good because it turned out good? You know the greatest thing about being a Christian? It doesn't matter. Amen. Listen, if you were trying to do good, no matter how it turned out, you're going to receive a blessing for the Lord. And a lot of times when you're just trying to get something done, the Lord will take it and make it something like you never dreamed. Why? That's the riches that we have in Jesus Christ. Salvation is in Christ. I mean, the greatest gift that we have is salvation. Why? No, salvation doesn't make you perfect, but it makes you saved. And the salvation that we have in Christ is not something he takes away every day, then gives it back. If you've been good, then takes it away. It's something that you have. 
And you have security in that salvation as long as you're trying to walk in the light. I mean, built right into the whole system is that we are all weak and sinful. The whole system of salvation is based upon the fact that we are weak, that we are sinful, and that Christ can save us. You know, I I come to Christ because I'm lost. And then all of a sudden I find myself. You know, as I married Bryant and Debbie Terry a few weeks ago, they've been married for 20 years, divorced for 16, and now they're back together. And he said, Jim, I've got something I want to say to her. And I'm telling you what, it was hard for me to go on when he said it. He said he, he lost his way. He got on drugs and alcohol. He lost his family. They had all those pictures from the directories, just like we have, where they were getting remarried with those five beautiful daughters of them when they were young. And he said, you know, I lost you. And, and then he said, I lost the Lord and I lost myself. And he said, and I, I, I couldn't have you back because you didn't trust me. And he said, I didn't know what to do because I'd lost the Lord and I couldn't find him. So I, I went for help. And he said, and, and they helped me. And then I decided, well, the only thing I could do was try to help other people who were in the same situation that I was in. And then he said, and you know what? He said, and when I did that, he said, I found the Lord. And then I found myself. And then he said, and now I found you again. Listen, it was one of the most moving things I've ever heard somebody say. But it just tells you that it was a serendipity. You know, when he quit trying to serve himself, when he quit trying to make his life better, realized that he couldn't and he would just do what he could to help other people, the Lord was able to take that and restore to him everything that he had lost. And it had been his fall. Romans 8 and verse 1. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, when I, I love that story, those stories about when Jesus treated people. There in Luke chapter 7 is Simon and the sinful woman. And there she is. She's weeping and she's washing his feet with her tears and wiping his, his feet dry with her hair and anointing them with alabaster curse. And there's Simon the Pharisee who is just looking at the whole thing and saying, well, he's no prophet because he would know how sinful this woman was. And if he was a prophet, he would know that and wouldn't have anything to do with her. And then in the midst of all that, what does Jesus do? He saves the soul of this woman and teaches Simon the greatest lesson of his life. And why? Because there's salvation in Christ. There's eternal life in Christ. You know, Abraham left his family, he left his home, and he was searching for a city. And he wandered all his life. He lived outside cities. Depended upon God to protect him in tents when Lot went down to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and lived in the wall city. Isn't it funny serendipity? Abraham stayed outside where there was no wall and there was no protection. Who lost everything? Lot did. Who got everything? Abraham did. Why? Because of the blessings that there are in Jesus Christ. Blessings that nobody can take away from you. But what does it say in Hebrews? That he looked for a city, Hebrews 11, whose builder and maker was God. He recognized in his life that what he was looking for, the blessing that God had promised him, could not be found in this life. And that was probably the greatest understanding that caused Abraham to do a lot of things that we marvel at even now. 
One of the things that you get in Christ that's unbelievable, you get a new start. Brian Terry can tell you about that. Get back in Christ. Get a new start. Let him rebuild your life. Bring Christ your broken life. What will he do? He will rebuild your life. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. He wants you. He wants you back. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If we are in Christ, we are a new creature. All the old things have been done away. All has become new. Where, where could you make up for murdering one of the greatest gospel preachers? How would you make up for that? That's exactly what the Apostle Paul did. He killed Stephen. What a powerful man, filled with the Holy Spirit. He was responsible for killing him. The, he, he could never make up for it. And all he could do is just turn himself over to Christ. Had no idea that he would be the greatest missionary and do more for Christ than he had ever done, even by taking the life of the greatest preacher, one of the greatest preachers in his time. Romans chapter 6, verse 17, Paul said, But thanks be to God that whereas you were servants of sin... You became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching whereunto you were delivered. And being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Listen, if you could have a new start, what would you do? No, you'll ask somebody, well, what do you want to do? Well, if I could do anything I want, if you could do anything you want and you had three years to do it, what would you do? Somebody said, well, I'd like to finish my college degree or I'd like to train to be this or I'd like to do this for a job. Well, the point is, if you don't do something different than what you're doing, what's going to happen in three years? You're going to be right where you are. But what if you decide, well, I'm going to go back to school because I could do this in three years. Three years later, guess what? You will have... What it is that you want. You get a new start in Christ Jesus anytime you want it. And that's one of the greatest blessings of being Christian. And then finally, you're made complete in Christ. I mean, I want completeness. Who wants to be the perfect husband? Who wants to be the perfect wife? Who wants to be the, the best father? Who wants to be the best mother? Can you do all those things by striving to do that? Oh, just try to be the perfect father to your kids. And I'll tell you what they're going to see. Say to you, Dad give us a break. Try to be the perfect mother to your kids. What are they going to say? Oh, mom, let it go. You know what I mean? You know, it's, it's funny, isn't it? That a, life, a lot of life is about serendipity. It's about you find unbelievable rewards and pleasures, not when you're seeking them. I want to be happy. I want... How many people have ever made themselves happy trying to be happy? I don't really know of anybody. Happiness is found in serving God and serving other people. Well, during World War II, a soldier discovered that his friend, wounded, had fallen between the trenches in no man's land. Turning his commanding officer, he said, Sir, may I go out and get him? And the officer replied curtly, No one can live out there. You can't go. I just leave you too. But ignoring the officer's command, he dashed off the safety of the trench to try to save his wounded friend. With his friend on his shoulder, but now himself mortally wounded, he staggered back and fell into the trenches. The friend they discovered was now dead. The officer in lofty tones rebuked him. You're a fool. I told you not to go. And now I've lost both of you. It wasn't worth it. With his dying breath, the brave soldier replied, But sir, it was worth it. The officer was unimpressed. Worth it, he retorted. Rubbish. Your friend is dead and you'll be dead within an hour. And then the, with the soldier's final words, he said, it, it, it was worth it, sir, because when I got to him, he said, Sam, I knew you would come. You know, it really is the case 
than in our lives. What we need to know is there's somebody who's coming. Uh, you know, I've got this by Don Mathis, an outstanding preacher. Started preaching when he was in Detroit. He ended up preaching at the largest church in Alabama. And this is what he wrote, our quest. He said, what is it that every person is searching for? Happiness? Does that sound familiar? I just want to be happy. But our problem is that happiness is not something that can be attained like by searching and striving and grasping. Grasping for happiness is like grasping a handful of water. It escapes every time you try. It squishes between your fingers. Happiness comes as a serendipity to a higher goal or quest. You see, God's great goal for us is to glorify him. But that cuts across the grain of everything we know, doesn't it? Isn't the goal of every husband and wife to make their mate happy? No. It should be to glorify God in their marriage. Will a couple that glorifies God be happy? Absolutely. Shouldn't every father's goal for his family be that they be happy and satisfied? Don't we work our fingers to the bone to the last day of our lives so that we might be happy and satisfied? Yes, we do. Precious few fathers have as their family's goal that they should glorify God first. And then he says this, please make your major goal in life to glorify God. The results will be that you will have the abundant life that Jesus promised. He never promised happiness comfort, satisfaction, but he did promise joy and peace and eternal life. And then Don ends his article with uh, God, help us all to glorify Jesus. You know, at the end of the Civil War, a prayer was found folded up in the pocket of a Confederate soldier, and this is what it said. You've heard it before, but it's just a it's just a response to the idea of serendipity. He said, I asked God for strength that I might achieve, and I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for praise that I might have power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all, the, for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. And almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. And I am among men most richly blessed. And the blessings that he had in his relationship with Jesus Christ are not blessings that could be taken away even by the bullet of a Union soldier, they were blessings that would only be manifold when he had the opportunity to be in heaven. The invitation of Jesus Christ is open, and it's, it's open for you. It's a wonderful thing, all the work that everybody did, the encouragement that everybody was given, and then the gospel's preached and people respond. And, and if you're in that same mode and you have things that you need to make right, either between you and the Lord or with people in this congregation, or you need to be baptized and into a proper relationship with the Lord, his invitation is always open. And if you need to come, we encourage you to come while we stand, while we sing together. How sweet the sound.
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That saved a wretch like me. So humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Before we end our service, I'm sure there's a lot of you that know why I'm back up here tonight. And uh, I would say this to you, and you remember this, you know when you're young you think the most difficult decisions in your life are between whether you're going to do something good or you're going to do something bad, but that's not where they are. Uh, as you grow to maturity, the most difficult decisions that you have to make in your life is the choice between good things. And so, after 43 years of preaching the gospel, 23 years at Savannah, an opportunity has arisen for me to take a less active role as an associate minister and is one step closer to my retirement. It will give us more time to travel and visit our children without the church feeling such a burden. My original agreement when I came back here to Savannah was to work for three years and then to evaluate. After my evaluation, discussions with my family, Shirley and I feel this would be the best situation for us. And so we hope uh, this fall, in just a couple of months, to be moving to work again with the church in Dyersburg. And there is no way to express to you, the staff and our elders, for our appreciation of 23 years of work and service together in Christ. This is a very difficult decision for us, and, and I trust it will be one that will be difficult for you to accept. But Shirley and I would like to thank you for all the love and encouragement that you have given us through the years. I came to you as a 30-something-year-old preacher with one teenager and two elementary kids. And now I will leave you as a 62-year-old preacher with eight grandchildren and kids in three different states. I'm not getting any younger, and everywhere we go, we realize that. Although Shirley gets younger every day, okay? You have watched us grow to Social Security status. And we have put our heart and soul into this congregation. And that's why when the elders asked us to return for three years to work here while they searched for a pulpit minister, we came back. And now we believe we've reached a time in our lives, Shirley and I, that we want to serve the Lord in a capacity that allows us to spend as much time with our children and grandchildren as possible. That means stepping back a bit from the pulpit, serving the Lord in a different capacity. As you know, Mike and Nancy recently moved to Philadelphia. Wes and Nicole are in Knoxville. Kurt and Shannon are in Michigan. Our shortest commute time is 12 hours round trip. That means a lot of traveling to be with our family. Dyersburg approached me with, with a pre-retirement position, if you will. And I will be able to continue serving, but with flexibility to visit my family and to have more time off. And as we leave here, we leave you in good hands. You have Wes, you have Howard, you have Dustin. And if I was, a, if I was in a congregation, I'm just telling you, these three men who work here are better than the ministers that I grew up with in, in the church when I grew up. These ministers love the Lord. And they love you. And we have an eldership here that strives for unity and they strive for growth. And we want the Lord to bless us 
as we leave. And we want the Lord to bless you and, and give you growth in the kingdom. Now, whenever somebody leaves, there's always rumors. Somebody told Shirley the other day, well, I heard the elders ask you to leave. No, the elders have not asked us to leave. In fact, on two occasions, they have already asked me to reconsider, and we appreciate that. And, uh, and, and at the same time, I've had a great relationship with our elders. You know, Mark and I have worked together for the last three years like I never worked with an elder in the church. We have taught classes together. We have planned together. We have worked together. We've done, we've done so many things. And so there's a lot of good things about like that. But it's just a time in my life that, that, that we, we really feel that we need to make a change and adjustment. And we just trust that the Lord will bless you and the Lord will keep you. And, and this is difficult. And we also hope that, you know, we'll have some time to come and visit. And, you know, even if you don't want us to come, we'll still come. But we love you. We appreciate you. And we don't intend to break anybody's heart. But like I said, this is a very difficult decision to make. It's been made with a lot of prayer and a lot of concern. And we trust that you will continue to love and serve the Lord as you always have in the past. And the Lord will bless you and keep you. Thank you very much. I do want to give you a chance, an opportunity, if you haven't uh, partaken of the Lord's Supper. Um, give you a chance to do that as we sing um, 703. And we'll close with this song tonight. Working with Jim is an adventure. Uh, I don't know how much older he is than me, but Jim, it's quite a bit. I still can't keep up with you. Uh, he's, he's, helped me, he's helped me so much. And I, I think about this song that says, I love you with the love of the Lord. I feel like that's... That's Jim and Shirley, and that's their life, and that's what they've been. They love people. Wes said it pretty well uh, at our special day that he is self-sacrificing more so than anybody I've ever met. Been a joy to work with you. It's interesting to call Jim sometimes. Something will come up, and he'll be, "You don't need to do it. I'll do it." Uh, who's, who says that? Who does things like this? And I was always like, "Okay, you got it." Um, but I appreciate. Uh, everything that you've done for this church, both of you. Um, the gazillion VBSs that you've helped with, Shirley. Uh, we're so thankful for you. We know that Dyersburg will be blessed by you. Uh, let's sing this song uh, and give you a chance to uh, partake of the Lord's Supper. Let's, let's stand as we sing. Just sing the first verse of this song together and then be closed. Um, I love you with the love of the Lord. I love you with the love of the Lord. I love you with the love of the Lord. I see in you the glory of my King. And I love you with the love of the Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for letting us come out and learn more about your word. Lord, just please be with those that have been mentioned and some others that haven't that are sick and hurting. Lord, please be with the families that have lost loved ones. Lord, only you know how to take care of them, help comfort them. 
Just please be with all of us as we have different changes made in our lives. Lord, help us make the right decisions and the right moves. Please be with Jim and Shirley as they make decisions and make changes in their lives. Just watch over all of us as we go throughout the week. Guide, guard, and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.